It's Thursday, February 20th, 2020, and you're listening to Last Time on Video Games, the show about retro video games and sometimes some other stuff. You're listening to episode 276, How Do You Activate Magic Koopa Mode? Runtime for this episode is 51 minutes. Hello and welcome to Last Time on Video Games, the podcast that's all on pins and needles. My name is Jeremy. Bump him. I don't even know him. I'm Tyler. A wizard mode joke, Zach. A wizard I, mode joke. I don't know any wizard mode jokes. I Actually, I, if I'm honest, I completely forgot wizard modes were a thing. Multiball. Because <laughs> I'm not a pinball person, so I don't know most of those things. Ever since I was a young boy, I played that silver ball. My name is Zach. <laughs> sure, let's go with that. I think I used that on a previous pinball. <laughs> I think you I did. can't believe I wouldn't have. I think you actually used like a I'm a pinball wizard, my name is Jeremy. Okay, that that's easier. That was probably me. I think I said I'm a pinball wizard. That I'd sounds buy like it. a thing either you or I would yes, say. Yes, it is. Yeah. I had to play straight man all the time. Okay, so here's a pitch based on something I just said that reminded me of the Gauntlet Legends, I think, announcer. But a gauntlet-themed pinball table would be fantastic if only because of that announcer voice, right? Silver ball. Needs food badly. Multi-ball. Activated. Blue wizard needs a ramp shot. (laughs) 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 It's Uh, not what it sounds like. (laughs) We played Mario Pinball Land. (laughs) Gauntlet was a great game. It was. We actually have a gauntlet arcade cabinet at my office, and no one ever plays it, and I think it's a goddamn travesty. Well, the problem with the arcade cabinet, as opposed to, like, the at-home version, is that you can't really unlock things. Yeah, and it, well, you can, it'll keep them permanently unlocked, but, like, there's no, which is weird for an arcade cabinet, right? But there's, like, no saving, so if you, like, make it halfway through the game, you're just, like, that's it. You can save character progression, though, like, it'll allow you to sa- I assume it must be a custom hack or something. No, I believe the original Gauntlet had that. Or not the original Gauntlet, but Gauntlet Legends. Yeah, so like you can say, if you have a uh, profile name, you can actually just load up your old character and like you just start at whatever level it was and stuff. Oh, that's handy. Yeah, it's it's very interesting for an arcade cabinet, but like no one ever plays it. So we, we also have like a MAME emulator and that gets a lot more use. And an Adam's Family pinball table, which guys, it's a very good pinball table. I can afford a Dark Knight pinball table. I just don't know where I would put it. Yeah, I've got a pinball table that I do not want, and I already do not know where to put it. I would take it off your hands, but it does not have Batman on it. Yeah, and also it does not belong to me, technically. (laughs) It is just permanently living at my house for now. Pedestrian is nine-tenths of the law, especially (laughs) when it comes to pinball. (laughs) Pinball and cocaine. Zach, what have you been playing? I've been playing a lot of Monster Hunter World with Kevin. Since it's probably been a month since we released an episode, (laughs) at least, when we do this. Because I don't know when I'm going to edit this. Probably not this week. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, probably not. That's fair. Um, so we've been playing a lot of that. Um, I've been playing and trying to get a specific rare Rathalos drop. So I've been killing a bunch of Rathalos, and it's starting to get frustrating. You're single-handedly destroying the Rathalos population. It's not single-handedly. You're double-handedly. Helped. Kevin's helping me. <laughs> yeah, because it's this one drop is really rare. It, it hasn't dropped for me at all. It's just getting annoying. And I was talking to Kevin about it yesterday. I was like... You know, I should stop doing this quest that is specifically to kill the standard Rathalos and the Azure Rathalos at the same time, and in- instead do one that's kill a Rathalos and kill something else. Because that way, it doesn't feel quite as grindy because I'm not fighting the same thing over and over again. I mean, I technically still am, 
But there's another thing there, too. So It's a great Jagras. Probably not. <laughs> I do have a quest to kill a, a pot raptor with a Rathalos, but... Like, take a Rathalos and beat a pot raptor? <laughs> <laughs> that, yes. seems, style? Yes. that seems very accomplishable, Th- That frankly. seems like a Monster Hunter weapon, right? That's what they're going to add in Monster Hunter World 2, Rathalos Corpse. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually a... Oh, what are you, a battle it's a great pipe. sword. It's a great sword. No, that went, that makes too much sense, Zach. It's got to be axe. Yes, <laughs> Switch Axe just actually got a, head off. And that's Switch Axe actually got a pretty big buff. Yeah. It's got a big part destruction thing with it. And I was talking. So I hear Kevin. I was like, you know, that's like they did that for Jeremy since he's the one that's always destroying bits and pieces of monsters. It's and fun. I like the main Switch Axe <laughs> exactly. Thank you, Monster Hunter World. I shall reward you by buying you and never playing you. <laughs> and uh. You keep sending me emails like, Jeremy, don't you want to grind Monster Hunter World? And I'm like, well, you don't know how to sell me on it, Capcom. So that's a problem. It's like, but you could get Resident Evil 2 stuff. Oh, yeah, they just started that, didn't they? Help, Leon. I'm like, that's Resident Evil 4. I would want that. If I can have Ashley's sweater, let's talk. But, until then, <laughs> but only do... for your uh, Pelico. I am liking the Chain Axe version of the Switch Axe. They added another charge to it. Oh, which gives fun. it a a reason to switch it into the axe form. Yeah. Which it didn't I like that have idea. before. I mean, it did kind of because it was way easier to hit like tall monsters and get tails and stuff with it. But if you're going with that, you wanted to be using the great sword or something well, else. Well, sure, but if you were on the hunt and you wanted to get a tail and you were the most appropriate person for it, I did main switch axe basically. I you did use that axe, but that makes it much much nicer. Well, with the um the charge blade, which is what that chain axe is attached to, there was no reason to change it into the axe because you were so much better with the sword because you could still use your shield. Yeah, that's true. And with true. the charge, you wouldn't bounce when your sword was charged. True. So, been playing a lot of that. Uh, me and Kevin have been playing a lot of Siege still um, because that's just one of those games that we have now adopted as this is just a game we play when we're playing together. The number I... of sad nights at work where Kevin's like, want to play a game and you go Siege and he goes Siege and then. Two hours later, I look at it and I'm sad. It's <laughs> I feel like I need to go play like newcomer solo queue or something just by myself to go like practice. You'll probably end up with the same kind of practice as you get playing with me and Kevin, which is dying a lot because that's mostly what I do. That's what I did. The, the Dark main... Souls approach. Get, get. I mean, there was one game that we played where I basically just swept the enemy team, and that was nice. The but... main advantage that you get in the newcomer playlist <gasps> is it's limited to three maps. So you can actually learn the maps? In theory, but at the same time, like it's like, hey, I know these three maps, and now I hit level 50 and can no longer play only these three maps, and I don't know shiz about anything else. That's what me and Kevin found out when we jumped into the actual quick playlist, and we're both like, I don't know any of these maps. Crap. But, so that's that's still a fun game. Like, which, did you buy that one, Jeremy? Siege, yeah, I bought Siege last time. Which version sale. did you pick up? I think I bought the middle tier one. It had, like, all the operators that were before the current season or something like that. Yeah, the one that wasn't, like, 90 bucks. But yeah. Yeah, because, uh... I think. I could, don't remember for sure. I bought the bog standard version that had nothing in it. Me too. Hey, it gets rookie. You get rookie. Recruit, yeah. Recruit. I'm sorry, I thought it was rookie. Um, I, I thought it was the main character of ODST. I... <laughs> I ended up buying the year four pass, so I got a bunch of operators, which I'm really glad for because I really like Gridlock. Yeah, that's a that's a fun game. I didn't play any Cali when we were playing. I just realized. No, I did play her. Yeah, once. you did. Yeah, you went window launching, and I totally messed up, but I didn't do anything. 
But yeah, that was fun. Um, we played with Ryan, actually. Yeah, I saw that. That was part of why I didn't join. I was like, oh, they already have a man. My services are not required. I, I shall go back to the sleep cave. I had a plan if we did have uh, six people show up, though. I was planning on just having it set up a custom lobby and play three on three. Oh, that would have worked. Because three on three, I mean, you're not full teams, but it's near enough that you're fine. As opposed to trying to play it like Dead by Daylight, where it's one versus three, where you really have a problem. Yep. Um, the nice thing about that is, like, you can always have spectators rotate in and out. But If you have more than that. Yeah. But less than is a severe problem. With Siege, if you had more people, it's like, yeah, let's just make a custom lobby. I don't know how to do that, but I can figure it out. It can't be that Yeah, hard. I'm sure it's press a couple buttons. Yeah, so. I was really glad that we managed to win a game in that. Yep. Even though, like, the stream actually is all up on Tyler's Twitch profile. Even though he missed, like, all of the cool moments, including the 1v3 clutch that I had to get us our first win. Yeah, I don't know. Jeremy, well, Kevin also had some really good clutch moments, and I probably should have, like, been watching any of those. You know, it's a learning experience for next time. I will let someone else be on cameras if I am streaming, because it's much more entertaining to watch. That one was just a fun moment, because I got three people, and the last guy, we killed each other at the same time. So I was like, oh, I'm so sorry, guys, I messed that up, and then it popped up, like, round one. What? That, that was a really cool moment there. Just managing to pull that off made me really happy. Because, like I said, that was the first round or match win we had. We'd won a couple of rounds before, but we hadn't won a um, actual full three matches yeah. out of something. A and best it, of five. Yeah, and it came down to the uh, two or two points apiece. Last last one. So it's a fun game. I definitely recommend checking it out. We played a little bit of Hell Divers. And, I like uh, Helldivers. It's a very fun game. There's a Would recommend that up as well. Uh, I've actually also been playing a lot of Mirage Sessions Encore, and I would definitely recommend that game. It is a game that always makes me smile when I'm playing it. What's really funny is some random person I have met like twice in real life, but I mostly just follow on Twitter. Was like, I just found out that this other person that I, that isn't basically the same situation also plays Tokyo Mirage Sessions. So now we're BFFs for life. <laughs> Well, it's it's a fun game. Like it was good on the Swi- or on the Wii U. It's still good. They took the things that were on the gamepad, which was basically like monster information, which was helpful but not necessary because the game already basically tells you a lot of the same information just by looking at the monster. Um, and all of your like text conversations, which I think were basically included when they made the game to make a use of the of the tablet anyway. The only thing that they moved that would have been useful is the map, but they made a yeah. mini map, which. That's easy. Solves that problem. Unfortunately, the game does use the Western localization. So, like, that's a problem, but whatever. Like, it's a very minor one. Yeah, I mean, Subasa's, one of Subasa's costumes is ruined, but. You know, the only game that I found really did anything useful with the Wii U tablet was the Wind Waker remake. Well, and the Ocarina, or the uh, the Twilight Princess remake, which did the same thing with it. Oh, I didn't even know there was a Twilight Princess remake. Yeah, it's worth your time because it's Twilight Princess. There are a couple other games. In uh, Arkham City, you could like put way- you could tap the map to put uh, waypoints on. That's kind of that useful. was nice. There are a couple others that I really liked it on, but yeah, for the most part. So Mir- this Mirage Sessions, like, it's not like a full remaster or remake or anything like that. It's basically Mirage Sessions with the DLC added on to it. I mean, that's what all the Wii U games on Switch are, except for Bayonetta, which just or Bayonetta Two, which just came with Bayonetta. Which is what the original Wii U came with. Yeah, um, that's true, huh? I forgot about that. But 
like they added in one of the things of making grinding easier, which is a kind of a double-edged sword because you need to have people in your party or active in combat in order to gain weapon experience for additional moves and the like, and to gain stage rank, which is like a hidden bar to gain like abilities. So if you're doing this thing that helps you grind levels a little bit faster, you're um, going to get that less. You're going to not be doing that quite as much. So you either need to grind that, which I would recommend because those are really, really powerful. Although they are random, which is kind of annoying. Uh, so you can't really count on them coming up at any point. But later on, if you get far, when you get farther, you get like duo versions of them, which are insane. Like one of my favorite ones is Subasa and Ellie, who charm all enemies, damage all enemies, and provide a heal to your whole party. That sounds pretty useful. Yeah, uh, it's <laughs> it's kind of nuts. So, yeah, that's definitely a good game. It's a fun game. I'm on chapter three or f- I want to no, I think I'm on chapter five. I can't remember exactly. I know I like I'm basing my chapters off of when did I get ch- person X in my party. <laughs> Because that's how a lot of that works. So, like, I would definitely recommend checking it out if you like Atlas-style Persona games. Like, it's not as heavy or as, like, dictatorial as Persona because you don't have a time limit. And there's significantly more Marth. Kind of. Compared to Persona 5. True. Your party members, like, you don't have a time limit to go hang out with them or do their side stories or anything like that. Well, it's not a Persona game, right? Like, all other Shinten games are not Persona. Uh, Much to their detriment. <laughs> well, the thing is, it feels a little bit like a Persona game. It's a little bit happier than a Persona game because you're not worrying about all these other things that you're dealing with. You're having sweet pop star adventures. Yeah, you're kind of having sweet pop star adventures. I um, mean, that's a subquest in Persona Four. And I, I will say, I love Subasa. Like the main character of that of uh, Mirage Sessions, I love. She's great. Like even as you get farther into the game, she's still fangirling out over her favorite pop idol, who is who she has been working alongside for the past while. <laughs> like they are actively working together, and she still has moments where she's fangirling out over it. So like it, it is a lot of fun. It's a fun game. I would definitely recommend checking it out. I haven't shut up about it and telling Tyler to play it for like a month. Yeah, I kind of want to, and I feel like I have a million things on top of the list before that, but I'm actually kind of, I'm finally knocking them out, especially since I fixed my computer. It's so nice to have a machine that does not freeze every five to ten minutes. I know, right? Anything else, Zach? I have been, I've actually gotten back around to building all my marines. I've finished Shrike and my incursors. My New Year's resolution was to do one model kit a month, and then work happened. So we'll see when I quit. <laughs> Maybe I'll do two. Maybe I'll finish my marines and build that Destiny Gundam I've really been wanting to build since we started Destiny. Yeah, I've been working on my uh, Sisters of Battle finally. I got the box way back when. And then I did something stupid, and I bought a spare set of combat cards for them, basically. Because <laughs> I did not realize the that they already had one. Them. Yeah. I'm sad I'm not able to get any more Repentia for my guys because the list that I built to begin with included a full set of nine of them. And I, unfortunately, they do not have plastic Repentia yet outside of that super limited run box. But I'm looking forward to building the Triumph of St. Catherine because that is one bitchin' looking model. Like, that is a really cool looking model. I I just want to build some models and maybe paint my Batman figures from a Batman board game before my expansion gets here, like tomorrow. I forgot about that. Yeah, we should play more of that. I kind of want to when I have time off. We should spend more time with 
each other as a group in general. That's fair. We it's need hard. to stop having lives hey, and jobs. I'm going to have the closest thing to a vacation I'm ever going to have soon. So we that is true. We are scheduled to hang out the it's weekend true. after next. It's so true. It is on my calendar, and we regularly have the whole like. We are now trying to do play games at the <coughs> on the last Sunday of the month. Life is hard, and then you die. Anything else, Zach? Did I play anything else? Played a little bit more of SD Gundam Generation Crossrays, but... <laughs> are you also burning out on that? A little bit, because unfortunately, unlike Super Robot Wars, I'm just going back through the plot line of the, the base never watched double o or i no i didn't though. but like so, that's but also, although it's a bad way to experience them i feel that's also one of the problems because one of the things that got me through the other ones was real was it's like i want to get character x because yeah. i like character x and these other ones i'm like i don't know who you are so i don't know why i'm supposed to care like the game's still fine it's just i've kind of burned out on it and what i need to really do is i need to take my game boy and play some Jake. back from where it is currently right next to all of the models I'm building because my my uh, Game Boy's battery is basically dead. So like this seems like a very solvable problem. Pl- it's plugged in behind me in my base. So it's almost solved. It's not near me. That's the problem is it's not to hand. And when it's like, oh, I'm going to play a quick mobile game. I'm going to grab Fate Go real quick and do another uh, Valentine's Day chocolate farming or or do a quick version of Don Machi, which is currently crossing over with Goblin Slayer. Since I quit my job, I did delete all of my gacha games because I do not trust myself. <laughs> I'm currently just freebieing, what's it called? Uh, Fate Go. I just don't trust myself. And I, yeah, I, I, I understand that. I'm, yeah, I've kind of gone a little bit overboard a couple times in the past. But... I've been good lately, but I'm also at a point where, like, I. I'm making literally more money than I can spend, which I'm going to miss that. Yeah, yeah, so that's a nice place to be. I mean, that's why you were able to just go buy a bunch of Warhammer. Yeah. I was at that point for a while, and then I decided to start a business. Yeah, that, well, that takes a lot of money. I don't have that much money. <laughs> I just don't have any expenses. What have you been playing, Tyler? I was trying to catalog that list. Uh, so let me, I'm, this is just going to be a smorgasbord of whatever the heck I've been up to. Uh, so. Mm. Mm, yeah, no, I did my first Smash Ultimate tournament on Saturday. How'd that go? All right. It, the first couple rounds were rough because the people did not know what they were doing, and I should have just taken charge and hosted every match, but I, I didn't realize that was allowed until someone else did it to me. Like, I just hopped into my third match, and they're like, hey, I already have a room up. I'm like, oh, cool, mine, that's great. So... Like, the first person, like, just made a public lobby, and the rule set was off, and then I just completely destroyed them, and so, and then we played a best of three anyway, um, after making a new, I don't know, that was a mess. After, after I got, like, four or five rounds in, it was pretty good. I was actually, I was playing a game, and my roommate and my wife were, like, talking loudly over me, and, like, trying to involve me in this conversation. I'm like, I'm in the middle of a goddamn tournament here! So I ended up just, like, taking my Switch and setting it up on top of a shoebox upstairs and finishing out the tournament that way. I was actually going to go to brackets, and I'm like, well, if someone else posts another win in the last, like, couple seconds here, I might be knocked out. So I should try to get one more in. Um, It was, like, the last five minutes of the ladder rounds. And I ended up playing the best ice climbers I have ever encountered in my life. He was doing things I didn't even know were possible. Was he wobbling? Did he desync you into oblivion? No, I've seen that before. That's all fine. Um, <laughs> Did he chain grab you to death? 
Uh, no, he was, like, doing some things with the, uh, spin attack that I didn't know that you could do. Apparently, you can use it as, like, an upward recovery, which I never did when I was trying to get ice climbers into elite. And, like, he, you can do some weird things with spacing on it, and I had actually just picked up Wolf in, like, my third or fourth match. I'm like, oh, I forgot I like Wolf, so I just played Wolf the entire rest of the tournament until this guy. So, like, I have not practiced with Wolf for, like, almost a year, and then I got to this guy, and he just wrecked me. I'm like, okay. I should choose someone who's a little bit more reliable for me. So I chose Lucas, and it went down to the last stock for both of us in that case, or, or I guess on that match. But I so lost, and that knocked me out of the brackets, which was a little sad. Then I was, like, chatting with this guy a little bit in the lobby afterwards because he was, like, giving me some pointers. I'm like, thanks, dude, that's actually extremely helpful. And it turns out he's apparently number two ranked in the Houston circuit. And I'm like, well, I feel better that I lost this guy, at least, so... I posted two losses. One was early on when I was just kind of dicking around, and one was at this guy. So that was a lot of fun. Would do again. Mostly it just made me want to play Anther's Ladder again, which is apparently still the ladder of choice for people. What else have I been up to? I've been playing a lot of Subnautica, the the icy one. Subnautica, the cold one. <laughs> it's pretty fun. There's a lot of like overland elements, and they give you a hover bike, and the hover bike is like the most satisfying vehicle I have piloted in a video game for a while. But it's very specific purpose. Like you only need it on this one on land segment, which is not where you spend the majority of the game. And they put in a giant ice worm, and I learned about a really cool real life worm because of this, because it's based on it. It's called the Bobbit Worm, and instead of getting like bigger, it gets longer. And it just gets longer and longer. And they can grow up to 10 feet long. And they can just pull octopi like, down under the sand and just eat them. They're crazy. Apparently, they are, they start out really small. So they occasionally come in coral and like infest your aquarium. As they just like, your fish just slowly disappear. And like, where are all my fish going? And this one little worm just pops up and goes, and just pulls them down into their watery graves. So, highly recommend Subnautica if you're into some sort of like exploration-based game. It's very, very, very good. And I highly recommend being eaten by worms in a horrific fashion. <laughs> Why <laughs> do you recommend that? Because <laughs> I have to work 70 more hours and I only have seven more days. That's fair. I picked up a game because it was like 250. I also picked up Earthlock at the same time, but I haven't played it yet. Called Mana Spark, which is, I think, a Brazilian game, but it's like, what if Dark Souls was an overhead 2D isometric shooter? But so it's like really kind of like slow paced tactical combat where a single mistake will cost you very dearly. But because you have only ranged weapons, you have to like figure out how to arrange your enemies such that you can take them on uh, nicely. And I accidentally beat it by just getting a ridiculously good like artifact combination. So my DPS went from like, I don't know, five to like 200 with Pierce. So I, I think I'm about done with that. I think I've seen all I need to see out of it. But for 250, it was a pretty good deal. It, it was actually on my Steam wish list for a long time. What else have I been up to? So actually, after we played Helldivers, um, I wanted to make sure that I could get the seven days server up and running. Uh, that all looks fine. But I know I was helping you with that. Yep. Uh, Ed and I proceeded to play until like one or two that morning which was a great but also terrible decision. Uh, we felt Okay, I'm just going to describe this, because they keep adding, like, little Easter egg, like, special one-off places that you can encounter in this game, and we, I, it was a random gen, so the fact that I found this is remarkable. It's, like, kind of a largish residential house. It, there's nothing remarkable about it from the outside, except it's got, like, some corn growing in the front. One side of the house, I'm just going to go from the bottom floor up, you walk in, and it's like a pig pen slash slaughterhouse. So you walk in and there are like pigs in cages and there's like a conveyor belt 
and then you have to walk through like a bloody pit where a pig always spawns. It just keeps respawning there. So infinite food, I guess. That one's not hostile, but then you go up to the top of the stairs and then there's a pig that just spawns there and it rushes you every time you open the door, which is hilarious. Then you go upstairs, there's not really anything there. You, like, go up to the second floor, and then there's a bunch of hidden doors behind boxes, and you can destroy the boxes. Also, there's a corpse in the bathtub. Don't know where that came from. This is all good signs. Yep, also in the bedroom, now that I think about it, there's a cage that says Grace over it, and it's just got some mattresses and, like, some prison-style bars in front of the mattresses. So, almost definitely they were keeping people in there. Which was weird. Sounds um, like a machine for pigs for me. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh man, wait until we get to the other half of the house because it's way crazier. Um, it doesn't seem crazier, but it's way it's, crazier. It's like an actual like reference to something? I don't know. It's just a random house we found, and that's where we decided to set up our base. It is not. <laughs> yeah, this seems like home base to me. <laughs> seems like the Power Rangers pig force would be all over this place. <laughs> yeah, we got a haunted pigs, and we can kill them infinitely for infinite delicious pig haunted pig meat. So after you like find one of the secret doors, you can go upstairs, and there's like another pig sty in the attic, and there's like a secret cubby that you have to like break through a bunch of walls to go get over to, and there's like a journal next to a lantern that's just in like the corner where it documents this person's, like, attempts to escape from the pig farm. So that's all fine. That's just kind of weird. But, that, you know, this is a weird post-apocalyptic in Arizona thing. Sure. The other half of the house has super corn growing in it. If you, like, hover your cursor over it, it just says super corn. I don't know if it's better than regular corn. I haven't eaten any yet because I'm kind of afraid of it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, that's because you can't. It's super corn. Therefore, you need kryptonite in order to cook it. Oh, uh, yeah, that's fair. So I'm going to start from the top down on this side of the house because it's way less interesting on the top and gets progressively bonkers as you go down. So at the top, there's just like a bunch of fertilizer for growing the super corn. And then down one level, there's like a bunch of dead corn that are presumably their failed experiments to get super corn. Then on the base floor, there is a single like hermetically sealed glass container with one stock of super corn. And you can only get to it by opening a vault door on top of this container. Which is weird, but I think it's also entirely zombie-proof, so I think you could just, like, hop in there. And, and then just... you'd be safe for one thing of super corn, however long that lasts. I also don't know if you can get out, because <laughs> I don't think you can place blocks inside of there, so I think you just hop in and you're, you're just screwed. And then as you go downstairs, there's, like, a whole greenhouse full of super corn, which is kind of cool. There's also one place on the ground floor where the two halves connect, but you can't go through because there's a wall there. There's just, like, a random backpack in a case. There was nothing important in the backpack. It was just, like, a hat. But you had to, like, destroy this, like, weird cubby hole thing to get through. There's also just, like, a regular walkway on the second floor, like they're a split-level apartment building or something. But you go downstairs, there's the weird super corn, and then there's, like, a little downstairs staircase in the back, so there's, like, a maintenance area where, like, presumably they're running the power for the super corn. And hidden behind a little, like, false wall is another vault door, and if you open it up, it's definitely just a meat processing plant, but all the corpses are humans, and I'm not sure if they're using it to fuel the corn, or the even crazier thing that we found in the sub-sub-basement. So we're already in the basement, that's where the supercorn greenhouse is, and then the sub-basement is this meat packaging plant for human corpses, and then way over in the corner, there's like a little, like, it's like a pitfall trap, but it's not really supposed to be a trap, it's just like they hastily covered it up. There is a giant radioactive boar down there, that Ed and I sacrificed ourselves about 20 times to to finally kill. But he's just like a giant green glowing boar that we hypothesized they were feeding human corpses and super corn to. So, 
Hey, Tyler? Yeah. Get out of the house! <laughs> why are you living? Why, why did you set up your base here? Uh, so we are now living in the Super Boar's Den. Um, now that we have killed it, we have claimed its territory for our own. I built a ladder back up. Uh, the only other way out was through a secret entrance that comes up through another weird cage, now that I think about it, that's in the front yard on the opposite side of the house from the corner in the front yard. So... It was it was really weird. Um, Ed wants to keep that server for the uh, game day, but I promised that I wouldn't use one. Like, I'd start a fresh one when we started, so we might have to ditch that one. Uh, but the server is still up. It's just been running the entire time. So if anyone wants to hop on and go find our weird ghost pig corn house. That's my favorite 90s yeah, kids it's, show. It's <laughs> definitely, it's got some weird, like, serial killer haunted house. Like, when we're going through the haunted pig site, I'm like, Ed, this house is haunted. We can't live here. It's very clearly haunted by ghost pigs. There's infinite pigs. That's a nature taboo. <laughs> yeah, you remember how everyone says when pigs fly? That's because infinite pigs are worse. Yeah, well, I mean, so th- and there are a lot of machines and there are a lot of pigs, so it must be a machine for pigs. Anything realize- else, Tyler? Um... I intermittently participate in this, like, work game day thing over lunch on Wednesdays sometimes. And I hosted Nidhog this week, and man, that was a hilarious Yeah, that's that's a Nidhog for you. So Nidhog 2 has been out for, like, four years, and I don't want to get it because they improved the graphics, and I think this is a detriment. <laughs> like, if they improved the graphics, I just wanted them to make Nidhog this horrible 3D monstrosity while leaving everything else 2D. That is all I wanted. Instead, they, I don't know. Everyone looks like Gumby now. I'm not very into it. I feel like there was one other thing, but I don't think it was important because I can't remember what it was. What have you been up to, Jeremy? So Kingdom Hearts Remind came out. What is this? This is the DLC for Kingdom Hearts 3. Okay. I didn't know they were doing one, but of course they are. It's the modern era. Let me tell you the beautiful, beautiful thing about Kingdom Hearts Remind, which is if you beat the story and then beat the 13 super bosses and then beat the secret boss to get the secret ending the last phrase the last sentence of kingdom hearts remind is sora saying none of this makes any sense to me (laughs) (laughs) and it is beautiful (laughs) it's pretty good and then in cue the next game mickey mouse just walks on screen is like hi kids oh wow what was that that was not a don't know (laughs) nope They have announced the next Kingdom Hearts game, which is going to be a mobile prequel about the villain. What? Is the villain Xehanort? Xehanort, yes. Okay. It's about young Xehanort, before or after he time-traveled. I don't know. Oh, my God. Uh, So, I have that to look forward to. Sorry, I just remember what the other thing I played was, but we can wait. Oh, go for it. Uh, Snakey Bus. Oh. Yeah. That was it. It, it, it's, It's Snake, but you're a bus. It's a... Yeah, it's it, snake. It, it, it's fun. Um, I don't know. Single player is surprisingly zen. It's kind of almost like well, a puzzle it game. It is snake. Yeah, it is snake. That's fair. Snake. Snake. Boss. Okay. So yeah, Remind's pretty fun. The thing about it is, I wanted to do some story discussion, so I went to slash our Kingdom Hearts. What I had forgotten was that part of the DLC is they have added a photo mode where you can put any character in any situation. Yes. In this <laughs> mode, so. Slash our Kingdom Hearts is exclusively memes now with this because they put a meme generator in Kingdom Hearts, which I guess I should have seen coming. 
Well, I mean, that seems to be a pretty popular thing, is add a selfie camera to your game. Well, Monster Hunter World did the same thing in Iceborne. It already had a selfie camera, but now you can pose all the characters on any setting you want. This so is now amazing. You can, yeah. Is Goofy just aggressively T-posing in the background of every <laughs> picture? <laughs> no, surprisingly not. It's mostly uh, people having Riku and Sora do gay acts while Kyrie looks on in variously annoyed poses. <laughs> <laughs> That's about 90% of them as far as I can tell. I feel, so a lot of subreddits have, like, tags that you tag a post with. I feel like there might be a story tag you can filter by. <laughs> Maybe. Um, no, then you just get one of those that is done as a story. All, all gaming subreddits have exactly two modes, and they are story and meme. I feel like there's also mechanics. Nope. Because <laughs> part of what Remind added was 14 super bosses. So there's a lot of, how I Marluxia, he just murder me. What is a Marluxia? Uh, he's one of the members of Organization 13. He has power over death and pink hair. Wait, so he has power over pink hair and no, also power no, over death? he has death. pink hair and power okay. over death. It's very good. He has a scythe because, of course, he does. He has power over death. What is it? What exactly does having power over death grant you? Like, uh, the doom spell from Final Fantasy, mostly. Yeah, okay. That makes sense. You put a counter over your head. You're like, oh no, I have to use... Uh, I, I feel like a remedy? A remedy cures that? Uh... Well, in the super boss, you have to uh, deplete his armor gauge before a giant skull appears in the middle of the arena. Okay. It's pretty good. The super bosses are pretty fun, especially because Kingdom Hearts 3 is way too easy. So they decided to fix that. So basically, they put all the what would have ordinarily been done as hidden bosses off to one side. Optional bosses is this DLC. Basically, there was one optional boss in Kingdom Hearts 3. It was pretty meh. But yeah, they're basically what they would have added in a 2.5 version, because they're basically, they're not identical to the ones in Kingdom Hearts 2.5, but they're definitely super reminiscent of that. That makes sense. And then there's a, like, four-hour story chunk before that, and then there's this, and then there's the secret boss, and then there's, you know, the end story, which is some wild stuff, but I don't think I have time to get into it here. (laughs) I'm very curious about where Kingdom Hearts is going, and, like, Nomura's doing something. Uh, and I don't know what, and I'm very curious about it. The other thing I've been playing is Civilization VI on Tyler's recommendation. It's good, right? I think I hate it. Really? Yeah, I don't like how districts lock you into your victory condition. Like, it, it makes cities so inflexible. Yeah, that is true. I mean, you have to specialize your entire city in a slightly different way than you did in previous games. I don't mind that so much, but I mind is how difficult it is to switch if you suddenly realize what you're doing is not going to work. Yeah, that's that does seem like it would be an issue. If you're like, I'm going to win this via military. Oh, that's not going to work. I need to culture this up. And then you just can't change over. Yeah, well, I mean, you can, but it would cost you, like, you lose a lot of resources for doing that. Like, you can't build any, like, faith things outside of having a faith district, and you're limited on the number of districts you can have. Yeah. Also, I don't think any of the victory conditions are especially fun to pursue. Honestly, that's fair. I like a lot of the concepts in this game. I think at the end of the game, I Civ Five is still the game for me, but Civ Six is very interesting. Yeah, definitely. Once like I got districts to work for me, it felt powerful, and I liked that. And I like a bunch of the ideas there. But like the religion victory is frustrating to go for. The tourism victory seems somehow more obtuse than the one in <laughs> Civ Five. Uh, can you still not stack units in Civ Six? You can do so more, but you still can't. The like compromise mechanic is there are a civic that lets you have a core, which is basically two of the same units stacked on each other. 
And then later you get an army, which is three of the same units stacked on each other. And there's a little bit more, there are a few more like unit types that can be stacked than there were in Civ Five, where you just had like a civilian and a military, but yeah, it's still pretty much one tile per hex. Because that was uh, kind of annoying about Civ Five as opposed to Civ Four, is that in Civ Five it's like, here's my army, and now this is going to take a while to move. I kind of like that. Was just like, yep, quick, quick. I did not super like the invisible army in Civ Four of like I wonder how dense this stack is. Is that <laughs> two guys to, or two hundred guys? I'm going to invade this city. Jesus Christ! How many guys are there? Are like two hundred dudes on it's, this? It's city. like in uh, Heroes. It's just Zounds riflemen. I mean, I do understand why they changed it, but I it was more of it's so much easier to move, or it's so much more difficult to move armies in. Five. I actually kind of like the logistics part of that, and you can like block off tiles. Oh no! So do I. Uh, the other thing I don't like about Civ five, Six is they made cavalry way overpowered. There's no reason to make units that aren't cavalry, except for <laughs> I don't have horses, which is uh, like almost a restart condition. I the couple games I played, I just ally myself with the only other person in my vicinity and just rely on them for a military. To be fair, cavalry in and uh, mechanized cavalry are very powerful units. They just can't hold ground. Yeah, but now they can. They can fortify now. That's wrong. Yes, I know. That's my I mean, problem. Technically, you could fortify as cavalry, but you wouldn't be mobile while you were doing that. I always thought that in games like that, cavalry should be vulnerable to being attacked, but should be very powerful offensively. Like, if you were attacking with cavalry, it should be powerful. Yeah, because if you have getting a... attacked, it should not be. You have the momentum of on a horse the cavalry charge yeah i do kind of like that tanks are just heavy cavalry now but it does mean that your <laughs> army consists entirely of knights once you get knights and then you just upgrade them to tanks yeah yeah it was a metaphor but now it's literal that's uh a little bit different than in hearts of iron where you're like okay i have to have infantry because tanks can't hold ground yeah they can it's fine tanks and helicopters that's all you need cavalry and like cavalry. There are aspects I like about it. Districts are cool. Some of the ideas are cool. But like I said, I just don't think it's very fun to try to get a victory. So, which is the goal of the game, obviously. Yeah, if it's not, fun to, if it's not fun to go for a win, winning kind of loses a little bit of its satisfaction. I do want to try a multiplayer game of it to see how that plays out. But part of my fun with Civ is mostly just like building an economic engine. I'm like, oh man, look at my sweet economic engine. And like, that just has the side effect of often causing a culture victory or like yeah. allowing a science victory. I also think like production is way overvalued compared to other yields in Civ Six, even more so than other ones, because you have to build an industrial district to build any places that have production, and there are no percentage-based boosts. And also, Civ Five, one of the things that did really well was encourage you to like you can you have to choose between a wide empire or a tall empire, but both are good. Even if a wide empire is better at the end of the day, you have to go really wide with it for it to be true. Whereas in Civ Six, there's no reason not to just go as wide as humanly possible. Yeah, it definitely what encourages do you mean that. By that exactly. So Ta wide being having more as much cities. territory as possible. Yeah, tall as few good cities, to wide as many smaller cities. Okay, that's kind of what I assumed. Yeah, and I usually six... got cities by invading everybody else. So, well, that, that's one way to go wide. That said, um, I most successful game of Civ I played. I did only have, like, five cities, and I just invested heavily in all of them, and that worked as well as this other person who had conquered an entire continent at, but had a bunch of much worse cities. It's just because there are no percentage-based boosts to anything. Um, yeah, that's fair. The way to get science is to just build, <laughs> Bill, 
and build a campus there and then build Pittsville too. And if, even if these are just campuses are the only thing you have there, they're going to like add a as much science as your capital. Yeah, no, that's a good point. Because it's all just like you get plus two science or something. Yeah, it's yeah. all flat numbers that you're adding on. And you're going to get more great scientists from it. And then Albert Einstein is going to make your libraries even better with the power of relativity. I was going to say by inventing the patent clerk's office. <laughs> just worked there. <laughs> so that's it for me. Other than the assignment, which I definitely played more than 20 minutes of this morning. <laughs> Mario Pinball Land. I called it. So, of course, I played more than that. It's, I... I also played more than 20 minutes this morning. I played about 40 minutes this morning. <laughs> I played this like a week ago. I should have. So Mario Pinball Land is a pinball game by Nintendo, which you would think would mean it was destined for greatness, except for it's not. It's bad. Did I've, Nintendo actually make the other pinball game? I have no idea if they even made this one, to be frank <laughs> with you. It has some very uh, Seven Stars aesthetic vibes. So Fuse Games, which I've never heard of, made this. They made other games such as Metroid Prime Pinball. Well, okay. Pinball Pulse of the Ancients Beckon. And Thomas and Friends, Hero of the Rails. Wow. Okay, cool. That's... Okay. Oh, also, in 2013, they made Bear Shark the game. Nice. Bear Shark the game. So, Pokemon Pinball was made by Jupiter Corporation and Hell Labs. Okay. And apparently that did well enough that uh, they just let Jupiter do uh, Ruby Sapphire by the- themselves. Gotcha. So, Hal is almost Nintendo making it. It's about yeah. as close as, I guess, Intelligent Systems. Howell is like the left-hand lieutenant of Nintendo. Especially in those days. So Mario Pinball Land has a pretty interesting idea where it plays kind of like a Mario game, but on pinball tables. It's you clearly have... inspired by 64, right? Yes, because you got the cannon mechanic. Basically, there are enemies on the pinball table. You hit them to defeat them, and then a star pops out when you beat them. And that opens what are basically pinball ramps to other tables, which is a pretty neat idea because it gives it this adventure feel. The problem is the tables are all the size of a Game Boy Advance screen and have about as much going on as you can imagine. Yeah, so like changing tables doesn't really feel good if they were they even had a little bit more going on. They're they're a little too homogenous. Like there's no sweet ramps or like spinners. Well, uh, like I remember in uh, Pokemon Sapphire Ruby uh, pinball. There was a you, lot going you on could in that game. Stuff around. I think you could you couldn't necessarily change the full table, but you could get it to switch over. Yeah, and you can change parts of the table, or you can change like where your background is to affect which Pokemon you can catch. Yeah, uh, so that's true in Red and Blue stuff, too. And there's just so much more going on. Whereas here, it's like this is your table. I likened it off the mics to a uh, like this gumball machine I played when I was a little kid, and it was literally just the size of one of these looking things, and it was just. A terrible pinball table, basically. I had a battery-powered Sonic the Hedgehog pinball table that the main feature of was broken when I got it. There was this <laughs> little tornado in the middle, and the pinballs were little BBs. And that was a better pinball game than this is. <laughs> um, I do really like the fact that Mario makes a horribly pained noise when he is turned into a ball. I really like the premise, because he, like you have to go around, you kind of have to explore. There are multiple objectives on each table, but like we're saying, the tables are too simple to really like matter. It's not exciting to get to a new one. Yeah, the physics don't feel great. I had a really hard time line, like figuring out how to line up my shot properly, and I'm normally very good at that in pinball. Like the the ball never went the direction I expected it to, and there are a lot of like timing specific puzzles where you have to do something very quickly, and if your ball does not go the way you want it to consistently, then that causes issues. Um I fought one boss in this game. 
Oh, so did I. I fought the piranha plant. Oh, I did not. I fought a underwater puffer fish. I kind of do like the Metroid-ass idea that if you go to Bowser's Castle, there are just four golden boss statues. And if you've defeated a boss, it starts to sparkle. Yep, that's pretty fun. It's a good idea, but again, the game is not very fun to support it. And the boss fight was basically just hit pinball at boss. Don't do it when it's attacking. The one I fought, you had to actually unlock some bombs because you can't hurt it with just Mario, and then hit the bombs. So you actually go into multi-ball mode, except some of your balls are bombs, which will explode after a while. Hit the boss with it, and then you can hit it with anything after it's stunned from the bomb. It was actually a pretty interesting boss fight. It's just, like, again, the controls are wonky enough. There are items. You get coins on the pinball tables, and you can buy items. I bought a Yoshi egg that was basically just a second ball which is an interesting idea. You did have to, like, get it to the next table before you. Oh, that, or you would lose it? You wouldn't lose it, but it would stay on the old table. So, oh, like, when I fell back to that table, it was back again. Huh. Yeah, that sounds kind of annoying. It was. It's an interesting idea, but it was kind of more pain than it was worth, which is a lot of this game. It doesn't feel bad, per se, but it doesn't feel right, so it doesn't give you that good pinball feeling which is super important to a pinball video game. That's why they all came with rumble packs. Yeah, I was going to say, like, none of it feels chunky enough. The sound design is awful. Like, the the music's not great. It, it sure is there. The actual sound effects for everything just feel awful. Like, your flippers make this weird, like, noise. I'm like, what? what is that? That's not a solenoid switch. Playing this made me want to play Pokemon Ruby Sapphire Pinball. It's a very good pinball game. I've never played Metroid Prime Pinball, but now knowing by its that it's by the same developer, although it was presumably several years in the future. Like two. Okay, well, huh. It was their next game. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, <laughs> Think of all the lessons they might have learned from this, though. Like, there are a lot of good ideas here, just nothing at all is implemented well. Like, there are so many good concepts, but nothing works. Yeah, as a design doc, it's fine. As a video game, it's awful. Exactly, yeah. Anything else we want to say about it? Uh, I just cannot stress enough how much better sound design would have made me at least kind of care about this game. I honestly can't think of anything else to say, especially nothing charitable. So we have a list on our website, www.lastpodcast.com, listing all the games we've played, from the one that would make the best pinball table to the one that would make the worst. I would play the out of a Chrono Trigger table. Wow. That's why it's number one. <laughs> I did not what realize the, that. What is the last one again? The bottom is City Connection. That would be an awful pinball table. Actually, I think that might actually I make for would... a pretty good pinball yeah, table. Yeah, I think if it's, it's simple enough, I think it would actually be a kind of a solid table. Dead in the center is Harvest Moon, and I want that pinball table. Yeah, I would also play a Harvest Moon That'd pinball game. That'd be a very game. zen pinball table, I feel. Yeah, you just... Blue feather mode, <laughs> and then, like, harem ending mode. <laughs> wizard mode. Multi-ball! Like, you get it, and you hit the button, and the ball goes up and then it just goes through like this entire ring for a season <laughs> and then comes back down and you hit it again and you're like sometimes it's a hurricane like... and it just activates tilt mode yeah i actually also a uh, mario 3 pinball table specifically i think would be a lot of fun yeah that's uh, a good especially with some like aesthetic. brick breaking things and yeah man can we just make all these nintendo just start making pinball games for a while so pokemon pinball is better than this yeah yeah dr mario is the next comparable looking game it's better than this yeah, I prefer yeah, Dr. Mario. Mario. Super Mario Land for the game Definitely Boy, prefer definitely Super better. Mario Land. It at least handles better. Yeah, it's much more fun to play, I think. Pokemon Puzzle League, I think, is a better spin-off type game. Though quality-wise, we're in about the right area. I think yep. I prefer Pokemon Puzzle League, especially because that had multiplayer. Yeah, I think we're all in agreement there. 
Coughing! Wave Race is so much better than this game. You guys are monsters. <laughs> <laughs> I love it every time that one comes Wave up. Race is not as good as you remember, Jeremy. I don't I know what to tell it. you. I played uh, a better uh, jet ski game I on my 360. I didn't say it's the best jet ski game of all time. I just said it's... It was a mini game, too. It, was it Dead or Alive Extreme Beach Volleyball 2? Yes. The jet ski game. How do we think it compares to Mario Kart 64? I'm tempted to say Mario Kart 64 is still better, if just because of multiplayer and time <laughs> trial shenanigans, and that one documentary about the Chaco Mountain speed rain. I also think it's better I, because I think it's actually just more coherently designed. I think it's just a better game. Uh, Mario Party 2, I also think, is a better game. I'm not Even, a fan of Mario Party 2, but I think it is better designed. Yeah, I'm also not a fan of this game, so there's... <laughs> Super Mario Kart, also probably better. Yeah, there is. Yeah, there are some interesting ideas there, and it works better as opposed to this, which just has interesting ideas. And although Tyler can't look at it for very long, I think that's Super the low- Eye Blade Simulator. I think that's the lowest rated Mario esque game. The, the Mario man. spinoffs. Is it better than Baseball for NES? I don't actually think so. No, it's better than Baseball for the Game Boy. I think, but not for the okay, NES. That gives us a that gives us a range. I could be swayed on that, but I think that's. Is it better than Alex Kidd and Shinobi World? Oh, man. I like the idea of this so. much better. I think Alex Kidd and Shinobi World plays better, though. Yeah, I think I agree. And I think that's more important. It's better than baseball for Game Boy, we've decided, right? I think I agree with that. I'm okay drawing the line there, although it kind of depends yeah. on what's below it. Uh, Operation Wolf. Baseball. It's better than Operation Wolf. Kind of a mess. How do we think it compares to Freddy Farkas Frontier Pharmacist. We just played that. I don't think I like it as much as Freddy Farkas, honestly. I think Freddy Farkas at least has a sense of humor. I don't it, know yeah, it has it character. Is. So the final question, much like last week, is or I guess episode, that was weeks ago, is it better or worse than Secret Command for the Sega Master System? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> I think I like it better than Secret Command. Which You're going to have to remind me what Secret or, Command it's is. It's not Rambo. Oh, that one. Okay, gotcha. Multiplayer does a lot more for Secret Command for me. I think I prefer the pinball game, but... With the crappy tables? Yeah. There's at least, like, there's some exploration type things, or some secrets at least. Uh, It's really close, but I I think I prefer the pinball game. So at number two nice goes Mario Pinball Land, above Secret Command, and below Freddy Farkas Frontier Pharmacist. Too nice. Okay. Um, What are we going to play next week, Zach? So there's been a big uh, fracas going on about Warcraft 3 Reforged right now. And uh, I figure we've got a nice little hole here we haven't looked at. So I think this time around we're going to take a look at the last of the Warcraft games we haven't played yet. And we're going to play Warcraft 2. World of Warcraft and Warcraft say hi. But that sounds fair to me. We played Warcraft. Oh, we did. You're right. I forgot about that game was so forgettable. I forgot. And I wasn't counting Warcraft or World of Warcraft because it's not a strategy game. That I can say is true. So next time on Last Time, I am a medieval man.